ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard, and I have alongside me, as always, uh, a soon-to-be birthday boy, Parker Fleming. Parker, how are you? Great. I'm uh, excited to turn uh, 15 years old this weekend. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got a lot of soda and popcorn, and I think everybody's going to have a good time. Like all people that are very active on Twitter, Parker is a teen and uh, enjoys being uh, mad online and pestering people. That's all I. That's all I do. It's my. That's my entire life is uh, online making fun of people because I'm 13 years old. Well, it's that and playing with race cars is really my two hobbies. <laughs> Uh, Parker, there's a lot to talk about uh, this week in college football. Obviously, the Horn Frogs have a matchup with the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but first, let's talk some national news. Ohio State is apparently set to play in the Big Ten championship game, despite not making the six-game minimum that the Big Ten had imposed before the season. Uh, we can get into the nitty-gritty on this, but just kind of overall thoughts, Parker. What's your opinion on Ohio State? being able to play in a Big Ten title game. Well, I want to point out that back in August when everyone was prognosticating, uh, I was one of the one of the few loud people who staked my claim and said, there's no way that a playoff happens in 2020 that Ohio State is not a part of. Um, the 2020 season, rather. So I'm not shocked at all. Um, I think I can look at this from, from two sides, maybe three sides. So one, uh, I think the Big Ten has done a terrible job of managing themselves and uh, PR generally uh, as, you know, kind of defending and standing up for their teams top to bottom. It's not going to matter okay. at all. Ohio State's going to go to the playoff. No, no one's going to care, whatever. But they have just effectively, um, I'm going to use a, a technical term here, just shat on the bottom half of the conference and done it with glee. And that's that's just kind of annoying because college football should be for the little guy. It should be about you know, the, the random, uh, you know, the, the, the senior guard who's going to get a chance to start for Bowling Green. Like that's what college football should be about every bit as much as it's about Justin Fields. And so I feel like the big 10 has just done a really bad job of saying like, we really care about the well-being of all of our student athletes. They have, they have clearly demonstrated they only care about some of their student athletes. Uh, but we knew that. And that's how college football is, is going is kind of this polarization. So there's that one, one level. Um, the second level, if I'm the Big Ten, yes, absolutely. Why would you? Why would? Why is this even a question? We're absolutely changing every rule to make sure Ohio State gets in, gets the TV money, we get to add it to our belts. Uh, just that no-brainer, no, no question. Um, and then from a third kind of standpoint, you know, the rest of college football, just like, of course, the playoff was made for Ohio State, and Ohio State was made for the playoff. Like that's what that's what college football is now. Is it is the haves and the have-nots, and the haves are. Uh, being increasingly uh, ostentatious with their uh, firm hold on on the, the the power and the institution of college football, with the exception of Texas. Um, I, I, so I, some I might argue that I, Texas is not a have, but hmm. <laughs> well, in terms of their pocketbooks, they are. Uh, I, I, I would agree with you. I would say that this is probably a case of a you know a correct decision that is arrived by all the wrong means. I think the Big Ten has shot itself in the foot repeatedly with bullets that they didn't even have to load into their chamber, if you'll pardon the extended analogy here. But the Big Ten started by saying, hey, we're not going to play football this year. And then they said, okay, well, we are, but we can't have any non-conference games. And also, here's an extremely arbitrary six-game minimum to play in the conference championship game. And of course, go ahead, Parker. 
Well, and it, it's not, I, I, look, we're not getting political. I'm keeping this entirely in a no, silo. No, 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 no. But no, it no. wasn't just we're not playing football. It's we're not playing football and everyone else who is, is being reckless and putting their athletes at risk. Right. And the, it was right. the scolding that really got to me. It's the scolding that got to me. And again, we're not making value judgments on that at all. Um, I think you- That's you a matter know, anyway, of personal I, taste, I, yeah. Yeah, we have a, I have opinions on it that I won't get into right now, but I, I think I think the point I'm trying to make is that they did say these things, right? And as you said, they said them in a scolding manner. And so for them to kind of go back on that, and with, it's funny, Ohio State, a have leading the charge, and Nebraska, who in recent years have been a have not also leading the charge, um, and now all of a sudden they find themselves in a scenario created entirely of their own making that they have to extricate themselves out of. I, I don't like what they're doing. I get why they're doing it. And in fact, I think the the uh, arbitrarity, is that right? Arbitrarity? Arbitrariness? Ar- uh, arbitrality of the situation allows for them to change the rules and say, well, listen, this six-game minimum was, we made it up anyway, so we might as well make up a rule that gets Ohio State into the title game. It's whose line is it anyway? The, the rules are made up and the points don't matter. And now Ohio State's going to get to play in the college football playoff, unless Northwestern beats them, which would be hilarious. But um, I would yeah, love that I, with I'm all not, of my heart. I would too. Even though I don't like Northwestern, I would be happy about it. Um, well, and, and, and I, I've seen a lot of tweets, Grant, that are like, Ohio, you know, the, the Big Ten made their bed and now they have to lie in it. And it's like, no, the Big Ten made their bed and now they're just going to remake it. Like, they don't have yeah. to lie in it. That they're, that's right. That's why they're doing this because they don't have to lie in it. And I, from a, from a strategy standpoint and a PR standpoint, I 100% understand why the Big Ten's doing it. Still makes it stupid, still makes it annoying, but like, we know what college football is. We know who it's about. We knew that there was no way that the big team was going to voluntarily issue themselves from the playoff. No, that would take a uh, consistency and non-hypocrisy and the big 10 has neither college football has neither. So really I, 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 I mean, without making too much of a, of a moralistic stance here, I mean, the consistent non-hypocritical thing to do would be to stick to their ruling, but Matter of fact is they're not going to do that. And we had no reason to expect him to do that because it was arbitrary and this is college football and any chance there is to put Ohio State in the playoff, Big Ten's going to take it. Um, I feel bad for Indiana. Um, they lost to Ohio State, they, but they're a good team. And, and you know, anyway, it, it stinks for them. Yeah, they're, they're really fun. And they have some elite wide receiver talent that I think would be pretty annoying to teams um, and was annoying to Ohio State. Um do you want to hear my tinfoil kind of crazy? I don't actually believe this conspiracy. I, I spent two hours today with my friends talking about aliens. Uh, so yes, by all means, go ahead. Uh, okay. So Kirby Hokut, athletic director at Texas tech. Go on. He is kind of a big wig in the college football playoff uh, world. Yes. This is a false flag engineered by Kirby Hokut so that he can hire Art Bryles and people will be outraged about something else. Operation uh, Scarlet Helm, if you will. Uh, it's a throwback for all you people that are very active on Facebook in 2012. I I, <laughs> I don't think Tech's going to hire Art Bryles. Kendall Bryles, maybe. But Art, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I, well, maybe. I don't think Kirby Hokut's that like well-connected or powerful behind the scenes. It is just kind of funny that like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Parker, there are so many things in college football that he could use as a distraction. Like a, a week from now, we're going to forget this happened and some other big thing is going to pop up. It's uh, very funny to me that Kirby Hokett would engineer a false flag operation and it would be one that's like unnecessarily difficult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would somehow come back to bite Texas Tech in the end. I don't, I don't know how like Chris Beard would like get sanctioned because of it. I don't, I don't know how it would work. <laughs> 
speaking of sanctions, can I transition out of this? Yeah, please do. <laughs> I can okay, linger I, here forever. I, I, sorry, sorry. I know we can talk about how State forever. I want to talk about how funny it is that LSU self-imposed a bull ban this year. <laughs> <laughs> it is the ultimate, like, I don't care. Like, we suck. We're going to get beat by Louisiana Tech in a bowl or something. This doesn't matter. Like, just end the season, get it over with, find some grad transfers and move on. Like, this is Edo punting. It's beautiful and I love it. And I wish TCU had done it in 2016 heading into the Liberty Bowl. I mean, uh, this is kind of like, um, gosh, is it now? I can't remember if it's Mike Berbiglia or John Mullaney, and that's bad. Oh, no, tell me what it is. But, um, he, he talks about his dad. I, th- I think it's Berbiglia, and he talks about his dad getting, getting frustrated. And his dad's frustrated moment is his dad like loses all his marbles and he goes, damn it, I'm eating pretzels. And he would go to the pantry and, and have <laughs> a bag of pretzels. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. that's like, this is Ed O's, damn it, I'm eating pretzels moment where he's just like, you know what? This is not going well. I don't have to deal with this crap. I'm eating some pretzels. It's, I mean, I've tried for like five hours to find the perfect analogy for it, but it's the ultimate just walk away from the situation. Like LSU is bad. They're not a good football team. All the magic that was there last year is gone. And I, I don't know, I mean, Edo has at least two years grace period before, you know, uh, of, of being bad before uh, um, calls for his resignation come in. But it's just hilarious to me that this is the year they decide to punt. I mean, North, okay, North Carolina basketball, when, when they were good, they were fighting tooth and nail to stay in the tournament and not have any sanctions against them because – you know what? Like, hey, we got a chance to win the national title. We're not going to say anything. If all that stuff had broken in like 2000 and Carolina was on its way to an eight and 10, eight and 20 season, that wouldn't happen. Oh, I'll tell you what. I'm glad I just thought of this. So, 1995, Mike Krzyzewski has to have back surgery. Okay. Head coach of Duke basketball. I think his team's like five and three at this point, but he knows they're not going to be good. So it says, all right, you know what? I am going to have back surgery. Uh, my assistant, Pete Gaudet, is going to take over. Uh, and Pete, good luck to you. And Duke finishes the year, I don't know, like 11 and uh, 16, like a very bad year. And Kay puts all the losses on Pete Gaudet's record. So, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I couldn't play. I'm sorry. I had back surgery. I wasn't fit to coach. Uh, Pete, this is all on you, buddy. Good luck. Uh, and that's what Edo did. He said, you know what? Uh, we're not fit to win in uh, any games, uh, so we're not going to play the bowl. We're going to take this off, and uh, you know we'll see you next year. Good time. Yeah, yeah, just the ultimate, just the ultimate cop out. And then today, I just, I just saw just before hopping on the podcast, he said something about we're really going to rely on the transfer market next year, which is just a hundred percent like, please, someone come bail me out. <laughs> Mackenzie Milton, I am begging you to come to Baton Rouge <laughs> for the love I- of God. <laughs> I will drive you myself from Orlando, like come to Baton Rouge, please. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how far that program is. I mean, everyone left. I get it, but golly, they do not look good. They give up 60 something points to Mississippi state. Who's, who's uh, bad. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Bo Pelini. Shout out Bo Pelini. He's not even really the problem. It's like, yeah. I don't know that your scheme matters if you're playing 11 zombies on defense, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't really well, matter. 10 and Derek, 10 zombies and Derek Stingley Jr. Yeah. Did, did he opt yeah. out? Who, who's the defender? who? Opt oh, out? he might have. Uh, I might've gotten bad info from a, a, a podcast that is only halfway focused on college football. Let me I like know, that. I, I may Stingley may have opted out. They also, uh, no, no, no. I, this is good audio. 
they no, also uh, lost Marcel Brooks, who honestly is is you know just such an impact player <laughs> that he can't be denied. Uh, Stingley's still playing. Okay, still playing. Poor guy. Yep. God love him. God love him. Uh, there was one other thing you wanted to talk about uh, before we get to TCU. Yes, uh, I just want to talk about the bullets of all bullets being uh, being dodged today. Mm-hmm. Uh, many rumors uh, about TCU's bowl game and where they might be. And uh, I, I, we're hearing right, right on the right on the front lines of breaking news from uh, Shahan Jayaraja, the uh, Dave Campbell's Texas football uh, tweets out: SMU has accepted an invitation to the Frisco Bowl on December nineteenth. Uh, an opponent will be named later and will likely be from Conference USA. So uh, that is is kind of puts my mind to ease, Grant, because that means that TCU is not going to play SMU in a bowl game. Um, I was a little worried and I went through and thought, are there enough conference USA teams to fill this out so that TCU doesn't have to go play in the tropical smoothie Frisco bowl against SMU in a, you know, in a soccer stadium, 45 minutes. north can of I, Dallas. Can I interject it? Is there a worse place to go for a bowl game than Frisco? No, no, that's terrible. Um, that's like, we're going to, gosh, I was trying to think it's like, we're going to go to Tampa for vacation. It's like, do you, do you hate? I mean, it's not even that like Tampa has Bush gardens. I think like Frisco, I know some people that live in Frisco. I know some people from Frisco. It is a just a massive suburb. Like I, and there was I don't also understand a thing with why. the soil because there was a plant there before they. <laughs> yes, there was. Yeah. Right, I vaguely remember reading something about this. So it's like there's there's some kind of toxicity in the soil in Frisco. Um, all that to say, there are uh, in the in the Conference USA. There is uh, UTSA is seven and four overall. Louisiana Tech is five and three. Marshall is seven and one Florida Atlantic's five and two Western Kentucky's five and six. I do think that's enough teams to fill out their full bowl bowl slate. Um, Although if TCU beats Louisiana tech by a million, who knows what's going to happen there. Uh, TCU could potentially play Louisiana tech out of a bowl. Um, But we'll see how that all shakes out because I'm sure the bowl ties are nebulous and the PAC 12 States keep canceling bowls and bowls are going to want to take power five PAC 12 teams and so I think that some of these little guys might get might get cut out. So I'm not as worried about TCU playing in Frisco because I think there'll be a Conference USA team or or something crazy like a Pac-12 team will take their spot given some bowl yeah. madness. And I think we should reiterate again why we don't want TCU to play SMU. Uh, Parker, I know you're on um, complete team, like cancel the iron skillet. I, I'm not there. I, I, I think that's a fine rivalry game. I think I'm a big fan of tradition, so it, so it should continue. But I think TCU has nothing to gain by playing SMU in a bowl game this year. Uh, SMU is a dangerous team that could beat TCU, and losing to SMU, uh, a G5 team, two years in a row would just kind of diminish TCU's status, uh, recruiting in Texas, all that. There is no upside to beating SMU in a bowl game. Uh, the rivalry is fun when SMU is bad and TCU is good. And I think that'll happen most years moving forward, even with SMU's slight resurgence, but I don't want to play them in a bowl game at all because, again, there's just no upside whatsoever. Beat a, another mediocre Power 5 team or lose to them, I don't care, but get some more exposure instead of playing a team 30 miles to the east. Yeah, yeah, I just don't think – I don't think there's any upside. Um, I also I, – I, I'm not like cancel the iron skillet, but I either want it to be a two-for-one and not have to go play in that crappy high school stadium or I want it to be every other year. Um, my complaints have been registered with the administration and duly noted. Uh, <laughs> so 
I'm sure they were noted and filed away for future reference. Uh, yeah, there, there's a special filing cabinet right next to the uh, right next to the toilet that uh, my complaints go in. I think, but um, they are at it's least labeled heard. P. Fleming. And, yeah, exactly. They're at least heard. Uh, uh, yeah, they're at least heard. If you, right, uh, let's if talk you about listen to Parks and Rec, if you had watched Parks and Rec all the way through, I would make a really funny joke about the mayor wanting to kill a raccoon so that he could put it above the urinal in his office and little P-Flex would get on it every time he uh, went to the bathroom. But uh, you haven't watched Parks and Rec, so that's not going to be funny to you. So There's a story I'm debating I should tell, but I think I'll skip it. Uh, let's... <laughs> Let's uh, let's go to the Bulldogs. Parker, do you know Terry Bradshaw played at Louisiana Tech? I've heard, I've heard that. Yeah, music. yeah. Uh, yeah, also, yeah. I was looking up. I was trying to find a. I I I really like putting a song at the beginning of my. Um, I do too. Uh, you know, just just some music to kind of cast the mood. And uh, I listened to a bunch of Aaron Neville while I wrote about Louisiana Tech today, but none of the lyrics really vibed. A lot of his stuff's more, you know, Louisiana, like New Orleans, kind of South. So I was looking for music that came from Louisiana. And did you know that uh, none other than Kix Brooks of Brooks and Dunn is a, mm-hmm. uh, an alumna, alumnus of alumnus, yeah. uh, of Louisiana Tech University? I did not know that. So good, good, for, I, uh, good for them, I suppose. Yeah. I think I'm going to try to find lyrics from uh, Jerry Reed's Amos Moses. Ah, that's uh, good. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I don't know where Jerry – Jerry's from Nashville, so that probably – it's quite fit, but Amos Moses is about Louisiana. That would work though, kind of a rural, you know, rural swamp sort of thing. Yeah. Also, you know, uh, the other one I looked at, the other one I looked at was uh, Turnpike Troubadours, Bozier City, but I I, I used mm. them too much, and I also found that um, I think it's uh, Hank Williams Jr. has a has a song called Bozier City that is very sad. It is like the opposite of the Turnpike Troubadours, Bozier City. It's just uh, fun facts I learned while writing about Louisiana Tech today. Well, gambling addiction is not funny, Parker. That's that is true. Both are shitty. Uh, less up. Uh, <laughs> Louisiana Saturday nights the the kind of the uh, the go to there, but I think LSU uses that, so probably can't cop that for the Louisiana Tech. Um, all right, Bulldogs coming in five and three. Uh, I'll run down their schedule real quick and toss it to you for the overview. Uh, they beat Southern Miss and and Houston Baptist, lost to BYU, beat UTEP, lost to Marshall and UTSA, and then beat UAB and North Texas. Uh, the UTSA game was by one point, 26-27. Uh, BYU and Marshall were blowouts. Uh, Parker, tell us about the Bulldogs. Yeah, so uh, Louisiana Tech's kind of an interesting team this year because – uh, last year was like kind of their, their, their high point as a program. They won 10 games. Grant, I don't know if you remember this. They beat Miami, the hurricanes yeah, 14 to did. nothing in an awful bowl game. Um, their quarterback was the, uh, erratic Jamar Smith, who was fun as heck to watch, but he mm-hmm. left as did most of their players. Um, Grant, they were, they were, uh, in the one twenties in returning production this year. Uh, and on defense, they lost 11 starters. Um, and so, not good. no, uh, no, no, it's, it's not at all. And so um, it, it's kind of uh, amazing that they've won five, uh, five games. Uh, I will note that two of those wins, their win against Southern Miss and their win against uh, UAB, both one score wins were they had, they had a, a post-game win probability of 10% or less. Um, and so there is some, there is some luck in that five and five and three record. Cause it very, very easily, and perhaps should have been three and five on the season. 
Um, but you know, the games are played and not on spreadsheets. So a win is a win. Um, they're a really interesting team to me, um, because they are a little bit bipolar. So on offense, they are, um, very, very poor on early downs. They're 113th in the nation in early downs EPA. Um, but they're 46th on third and fourth down success rate and they're 33rd in quality possessions. Um, and so they, they really are, are have this kind of weird third down energy that uh, is kind of odd and a little bit daunting. But Grant, on defense, they're the exact opposite. So um, they are, uh, they're, they're 34th in allowing first downs on first and second down. So that's kind of a mouthful. Let me explain that. What I mean is, uh, you know, if you, it's better to force teams into third downs than it is to give up first downs on first and second. They're very good at making you get to a third down. But kind of the monkey's paw there is they're 92nd on third and fourth down success, allowing a 47.6 rate uh, of conversion on third and fourth downs. Um, And so it's like, they're really good at getting you to third down. And then they're really happy to let you convert that third down. So um, a weird team overall, uh, 90th in EPA margin, 102nd in passing success rate on offense, 70th in rushing success rate. So not, not a good offense by any means and not necessarily a, a broadly good defense, but a defense that has some strengths. It has strengths. And it's interesting that you said that about success rate, because looking at sort of the, I guess, one level baser of statistics or however you'd want to word that you'd think they were a better passing team. Louisiana tech averages uh, 6.53 yards per passing attempt, 10.19 uh, yards per completion, uh, but only averages 3.0 yards per rush. Um, so I was going to ask you Parker, if there's bad uh, uh, early down success rate is due to the fact that they're not good at running the ball, but it also sounds like they're not really great at passing the ball when you break it down either. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of crazy because, like, Luke Anthony is their quarterback. He's an Abilene Christian transfer. Um, and if you, you adjust uh, completion rate for drops and throwaways, which you should, he's completing 72% of his passes, which is, which is good. Um, but it's kind of restricted to, like, two narrow corridors. And, uh, and so he basically only goes, like, short to his right or he goes mid-range to his left. So, like, uh, 55 of his passes are – to to his right and shorter than 10 field 10 yards downfield and then uh he and he's got a 73.2 grade there but then the the second zone that he's really good at is 10 to 20 yards on his left he's completing uh, six out of 10 passes 82 yards and he has an 84.7 grade so you can almost kind of see that they really love kind of this hitch this bubble this tunnel to the right um and then they try and take shots to the left so they're really really one-dimensional uh, because it does appear that he has a preferred orientation of the field. And so if you're throwing those passes, they're going to be high completion, you know, kind of short to the right, but the success rate may not be there, uh, especially if you're trying to rely on your, your athletes to make moves in space, which Louisiana Tech is. Right. Uh, and then you have the athletes to do that. Smoke Harris, I think it's really deadly. One of the wide receivers, he's, he's a fast little water bug type of guy. Uh, Anthony's really interesting at quarterback. He, he has a big arm. I mean, you know, the guy can throw deep. He's got a lot of throw power. I'm going to say this, and I almost mean it as an insult. I kind of don't. It's just a double-edged sword. I think he's very confident. I think he's not afraid to, to, to make some throws that I don't necessarily think he should make. Um, he's also an absolute statue in the pocket. Uh, 
so that doesn't necessarily help. He, Parker, he's taken 21 sacks on the year. Uh, his longest rush has been 12 yards. Um, he is he is not a runner by any means. He's going to stand there in a the pocket and throw the ball. And I, I want to – one more thing to you. I, I do want to kind of define what I said earlier. When I say that he makes throws, he shouldn't make. Not that he's throwing into double coverage or that he's necessarily – you know, throwing picks or anything like that. I, I just think he's making really, really hard throws and difficult throws. And maybe they're not picked, but they're also not going to be completions either. But I think he thinks that he can make those throws, which I'm all about confidence, but it doesn't always translate to success. Yeah, in, in the limited film that I have watched of him, he does kind of have the swagger of, uh, you know, I came to Rustin to chew bubblegum and throw touchdowns and I'm all out of bubblegum. So uh, yeah, he, he definitely has a little bit of confidence, but you're right. He, he's not really rushing, uh, very much. Um, what's interesting about, about that is that he just gets so much volume grant. They're 17th in the nation in early downs pass rate. Like they're slinging the rock, but they also kind of have some guys who can back it up in the rushing game and, and I'll do a little bit of cleanup duty. Like, uh, Israel Tucker has 4.2 yards per rush, but he's got 15 yards, uh, 15 runs of, of 10 plus yards. And he's, he's got 31 first downs, um, Mm -hmm. on rushing. So like they're, they're, they're very easy. Like, Hey, we'll do the, you know, kind of your ideal offense, honestly, like, Hey, let's, let's do the high variance shots early. And then we can clean up in the rushing game. Um, and they've got a little bit of thunder and lightning there. Justin Henderson will get a bunch of carries. Um, and he's kind of that bowling ball, you know, uh, Tucker's like five ten, one ninety, 190 and, and Henderson is, is five is, or, Sorry, Tucker is 5'8", 190, and Henderson's 5'10", 218. So they kind of got that like one-two punch, thunder and lightning kind of deal going on at, at running back, which is pretty interesting. Um, in the in the passing game, Grant, though, we do have to point out, um, they, they, they have, Louisiana Tech has been murdered by opt-outs. Um, and yeah. so Adrian Hardy was their top target. And what's weird about Louisiana Tech's schedule is they played, you know, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games consecutively. And then they had cancellations for an entire month there. The game with North Texas was supposed to happen like the first week of November. And so they prepped that game. It got canceled on Thursday and then they had a month. And in that month, man, uh, people have just been moving on. So Adrian Hardy had uh, 56 targets averaging 13 yards per reception and led the team in receiving touchdowns. And he opted out. Um, and then you think about big picture since the start of the season, Grant, Louisiana Tech has started four different tackles uh, and all four of them are gone. They are on their fifth and sixth tackle coming into the North Texas game last week uh, in pass protection. So uh, it, it is kind of amazing what they've been able to do. And even they were able to beat North Texas last week with just how frankly bad uh, their, their depth situation is in Ruston. Yeah, it's not good at all. Um, speaking of death, one other thing I wanted to point out is that, uh, Okay, take Hardy out of the equation, but uh, Anthony spreads the ball out quite a bit, uh, at least when it comes to scoring touchdowns. Uh, the Wayne Tech has one, two, three, four, five, six wide receivers with at least two touchdowns, uh, which is interesting. Uh, he doesn't necessarily have a preferred wide receiver. You have uh, six guys outside of Hardy with at least 10 catches. Um, so I think that's interesting. You know, Harris is kind of the, the guy that's really quick there, but I think um, he's not afraid to sort of use his, his receiver core and tight ends as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and, and I think that what's really interesting about their offense is I one one shout out to uh, Isaiah Graham is, is cleaning up for them as well. Former TCU player who, if you remember, had a oh, yeah. decent game in the 2016 yeah. Liberty Bowl. And then Georgia was like, well, we're just going to kill that guy. So he stops catching passes. 
Uh, and he went out and fortunately he's okay, but he transferred and is there. Um, and so I, I really think uh, what's interesting about them, Grant, is like their offense is by no means good. No, but it's, no. But it's weirdly good at points per scoring opportunity. Um, and like, they're also really good at field position. So what they're doing is through special teams and through defense and through flipping the field, which I hate, um, they're kind of giving their offense short fields really, really often. And so of course, like a bad offense can, can do better on, on scoring offense, but man, when they cross the 40, they're, they're punching it in, which is kind of scary for TCU. Like TCU does that bend don't break defense and Louisiana tech is doing that we're going to, we're going to break you offense. Um, and so that'll be kind of interesting to see what happens. One, how often Louisiana tech kind of crosses TCU's 40, but then when they get across the 40, what is TCU able to do? Are they able to hold them to field goals um, or, and be disruptive? Or are they, are they really letting Louisiana tech take advantage of these quality drives? Like they've been doing all season. For sure. Uh, one other thing I wanted to point out about the offense, uh, this is a Skip Holtz offense. He's the head coach. Uh, the offensive coordinator, Joe Sloan, is a Holtz disciple. He has literally followed him every single place that he's been. Uh, when Holtz was at East Carolina, Sloan was there. When he was at South Florida, uh, Sloan was there. Then now he's at Louisiana Tech. So this is a complete Skip Holtz offense. It is spread. It is kind of vanilla spread, I would say, but it's definitely spread. Um, it, it's yeah. interesting to see how it's just a complete like, hey, this is my guy. He's coming with me, um, and we're gonna run what we run. Yep, to the point even where you know Todd Fitch left last year and uh, went to Vanderbilt, and it was like it doesn't matter. It's yeah, it's still yeah. it's still uh, skips like offense. even even Trey Holtz, who I believe is Skip's son, is the inside receivers coach. So yeah, the eldest son of Skip Holtz. So interesting. Um, yeah, the other well, I was gonna say the the transition about the coordinators because because Louisiana Tech has two yes. new coordinators this year, and that'll transition us to the defense. Do you know who their defensive coordinator was last year? Last year, no, I don't. Bob freaking Diaco. How does you're Bob making that up? No, he's not. <laughs> oh, where is he now? I just heard this the other day. If I'm uh, lying, I'm dying. Smoked. One year, one year. Bob Diaco's resume, and then I'll I'll see if you can guess. No, uh, please, yeah. 2010 to 2013, Notre Dame. 2014 yep. to 16, he was at UConn. 17, he was the head coach at UConn. And then he was DC mm-hmm. at Nebraska. Uh, yep. Marooned as an outside linebackers coach at Oklahoma. DC at Louisiana Tech. And now... Oh, they just got smoked yeah, this weekend. Yeah, because somebody was like, oh, uh, we fixed their offense. And it's like, nah, you played Bob Diaco. Yeah. Uh, oh, remind me, I give up. He's, he's at Purdue. That's right. Um, his yep. his head coaching record and uh and yeah, so that was I believe that was uh Minnesota that was excited about yep, yep, yep. playing them. Uh his his head coaching record is eleven and twenty-six. This concludes the Bob Diaco section of this podcast. Um I want to add one more thing. he only got hired because he is a handsome fella. And I'm convinced. I need he to- is a very handsome man. And, and besides that, that's the only reason he got hired. Yeah, he's age. Honestly, he's got a really like, I don't mean this in a demeaning way. I mean, like he's got a real politician vibe about him. You know, he's got the good haircut. He kind of looks stately. Yes. Uh, and I'm sure that, in, I'm sure he interviews very well. Um, his, his teams are miserable. But so they have a new defensive. One of the first, <laughs> sorry, one of the first things that pops up is a YouTube video when he was with UConn. UConn football coach Bob Diaco on covering mobile quarterbacks, which, uh, I don't think he knows how to do, but I'm curious to see that video and see what lessons we can glean from it. 
Yeah, that's kind of like when I was in sixth grade, uh, we went to the bookstore and my parents like, you know, bought us all bought us all a book and they did this multiple times. And I bought a book called Songwriting for Dummies. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know who it was by, but my older brother made fun of me so much because he was like, dude, if these guys actually knew how to how to write like a best hit song, they would not be <laughs> writing a book about it. You're yeah, kind of like, if Bob, the, uh... Diaco, if Bob Diaco really knew how to stop mobile quarterbacks, I don't know that he'd be making YouTube videos about it. Yes, uh, Ethics in Modern Politics by Rahm Emanuel. Um, anyway, uh, sorry, Rob Begoyevich, that's a safer joke. Anyway, we can move on. Um, let's, let's talk about the Louisiana Tech defense. They are straight up 3-4. Like, and I mean this in, like, it was refreshing to watch Tate because they are – base three four like it is three down linemen four linebackers none of this edge bull crap we complained about i complained about last week we'll do it on occasion but uh it is three down linemen with a shell around them uh and and that's what they run on nearly every every play yes i actually am gonna i'm gonna amend that though they're um they're they're five four uh because okay. milton williams nerd, is nerd. that's fine yeah. No, because Milton Williams is three human beings up front by Oh, himself. you're right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Milton Williams is a very big human being who plays the defensive interior for, for Louisiana Tech. He has an 89.6 overall grade on Pro Football Focus, which is very good. Um, yeah. he, he has 25 total pressures uh, on, the, on the season, and he has 27 tackles, but 24 of those are stops. Uh, mm-hmm. which is just just massively impressive. He's 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 commanding a double team uh every every time, really, really sucking up space on the line there and just uh is frankly beating those double teams pretty pretty often, which is uh very impressive. Yeah, and he's a redshirt junior that really only came to prominence last year. He played and started in all 13 games, but before that he kind of saw action sparingly. Uh, from Crowley, I used to cover Crowley, uh really good program at South Fort Worth and uh yeah he uh, like on tape it shows like, okay yeah no this guy's clearly the best player on the defense and a lot of times during the Weezer Texas game has arguably been the best player on the field um when he's lining up a defensive tackle yeah yeah just just really impressive and um it's not like it's there are holes on the defense there are absolutely holes on Louisiana Tech defense but there are some guys who are, who are really good, like very narrowly. And I think that could be kind of um, interesting. So like uh, Trey Baldwin is a linebacker. He's, he's really being disruptive in the past game. He's blitzed 18 times and he has five pressures um, on that. Uh, and then, and then, and then in the passing game, if you look at like the, their coverage grades, aren't amazing across the board, but like linebacker Ezekiel Barnett's been targeted pretty, pretty decently. And he's been graded pretty well. Um I think he's at a, an 83 coverage grade. Um, and then safety BJ Williamson seems to be kind of the most overall player in the, in the secondary there. Um, he has, you know, three pass breakups and three interceptions on the season. Uh, he's allowing a 53% reception rate when he's targeted. Uh, and so I can see some guys on this defense that look extremely competent. Uh, if not, if not a little bit worrisome. Yeah, I agree. BJ, by the way, uh, B-E-E-J-A-Y. His first name is BJ and his middle name is Anthony, which I love. I think that's fantastic. Uh, yes, he is dangerous. I, I think kind of what I would say about Louisiana Tech's defense is that opportunistic does not necessarily equal good. It's kind of the same thing that we've been saying about Texas Tech's defense over the last couple of years, especially when they had that one year um, when they uh, 
picked off a lot of passes. And uh, Keith Patterson, I believe, defensive coordinator there. Um, like Louisiana Tech, okay, they I think they have they had eleven interceptions in thirteen or in their last few games coming into the uh, uh, North Texas game. But I don't think they can tackle Parker, and I think that's an issue because I watch North Texas athletes kind of skate by the Louisiana Tech defenders a ton and with no offense to the mean green, I think TCU has some athletes that can make Louisiana tech pay for not being very good at tackling. Yeah. Grant, they have um, 94 missed tackles in eight games. Seems like a lot, which is, which is a whole lot. And I'm, I think we're going to go here. I think we're going to do say nice things about Max Duggan a little bit early. All right. Um, Louisiana Tech has seen no one uh, of the <laughs> Russian caliber of Max Tuck. They like, I just don't know what they're going to do. This, this could potentially be really annoying for us because Duggan's going to run for 200 yards by himself and TCU's never going to pass the ball. But so I just went and looked up Max Duggan, uh, his current stats, 76 attempts on the year, 6.5 yards per attempt, uh, 7.5 yards per scramble. And he has 34 first downs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks that Louisiana Tech has faced this season. Jack Abraham from uh, Southern Miss. He had five attempts for 20 yards and no scrambles against Louisiana Tech. On the season, he has 12 attempts for 51 yards. <laughs> BYU, Zach Wilson. He had 40 yards on five attempts. And uh, on the season, he has 39 attempts for 174 yards. Uh, UTEP, uh, Frank Harris had no attempts. No, that's UTSA. Sorry. UTEP's quarterback had no attempts. Marshall's Grant Wells had four attempts for two yards against Louisiana Tech, 30 attempts on the season. UTSA, Frank Harris had three attempts for five yards. He only has 45 attempts on the season. Tyler Johnston from UAB had three attempts for zero yards against Louisiana Tech. He only has four attempts on the entire season rushing. Uh, and then Jason Bean, who's, who's well-regarded as a rushing quarterback, uh, he only had two attempts for five yards. And so I thought, man, maybe they just shut him down. But if you go look at Jason Bean's stats this year, he has 19 attempts for 273 yards on the season. 120 of those yards came against MTSU in one single game. And MTSU yeah. is terrible. So Louisiana Tech has faced just really, really immobile quarterbacks, not rushing threats at all. And not in the sense of, oh, they might scramble and make you pay. But in the sense of in, in the designed run game, uh, Louisiana tech has nothing. They are allowing yep. uh, success on 40.7 of run, percent of runs uh, and, and, and on EPA per rush in the, in the uh, on defense, they're 86th in the nation allowing positive 0.28. Um, I think that Max Duggan with his legs should have a very big game against Louisiana tech. Yeah, I do too. And, and it's interesting if you look at that kind of front that they run and the linebackers are pretty far off the line of scrimmage um, with the exception of uh, of Milton uh, Williams up there. I, I, I don't necessarily think that the Weezer Tech is built to stop the QB run. I think Duggan's going to find a lot of space. And honestly, as much as we bemoan the running game, I think if anyone gets past Williams and kind of gets to the second level, there's a lot of space there for, for running backs to to kind of find find their angles and then shift to avoid linebackers or again break tackles because Louisiana Tech seems to have no idea how to wrap up. Um, so yeah, it, the defensive scheme does not seem built to stop runners in space. No, no, and so I mean they've led. Uh, I mean if you just you, you just look at like their game log, even the the totals, uh, uh, the totals are just uh, astounding. Of like their rush defense, I don't think is 
it's not good in any way, shape or form. So they're, they're, they're allowing uh, 45.1% success in the rushing game, which is 75th nationally. Um, and if you look at just their, their raw stats, I mean, they, they've allowed a hundred yards. Uh, he, here are their, here are their rushing totals. 129, 188, 175, 188, 338 to UAB and 155 to North Texas. Um, I don't want to go too crazy with my opponent adjustments, but like if you can run for three, if UAB can run for 338 uh, against Louisiana Tech, I think TCU can run for a lot. Is what I'll say. Can I offer some breaking news? Yeah. Louisiana Tech has a player. It's a defensive bat that is named Christian Archangel. Interesting. Holy, like, is he like a like one of the Seferin? Like, how does that work? Holy, indeed. Uh, yeah. Christian Archangel, that's incredible. Uh, sorry, I I spent the last thirty seconds look, looking up everything I could find about Christian Archangel. Um, yes, I agree. There's a lot of space for TCU to succeed against this defense, and I think that, um, you know, we've seen those rushing attacks kind of carve up the Bulldogs in the past. I also think there are opportunities in the passing game, especially if um, some of the speedy TC players can get into space. Um, we talked about Duggan and the running backs, but also getting Barber in motion would be great. Um, I think Quentin Johnston would have a lot of success. It gets really any of the Louisiana Tech defenders. Their top-rated cornerback is a, a guy with another great name, Zach Hannibal, uh, which is awesome. Uh, and he's rated uh, a 60 in coverage. He's a safety or excuse me, uh, yeah, cornerback rated a 60.4 uh, in coverage. So um, there are avenues for TCU to have a lot of success against Louisiana Tech defense. Uh, absolutely. And I think that what's really interesting about that uh, for, for Louisiana Tech is just like field position matters so much to them. So TCU with the pass rush, uh, I think is going to have a lot of opportunity to have kind of Mathis and, and Coleman get going. Uh, which they have been going. I'm saying just continue that. But the field position matters so much. Like if TCU can just tighten up some of the stupid things they've had on special teams, um, where like the the Barlow, whatever the heck that was that resulted in a first down on the on the one instead of a touchback last week. Yeah. Uh, we you know blocking the back here and there, a bunch of bunch of dumb things like that. I think if TCU can just avoid stupid special team stuff and make, spe- I'm not saying like win the, win the, win the field position battle, because like, really, I don't care. T- I, I would score, but like if TCU could just not let Louisiana tech have that advantage, I think this should be a, a pretty uh, easy game for TCU to run away with, which of course means now they'll, you know, struggle. They'll struggle. Yeah. Okay. Well, all that note, let, let's go to predictions. I think we have one uh, kind of fun tr- uh, Twitter question we can talk about, but um, best case, worst case, as always, Parker, give me your, uh, your worst case first. Um, TCU has a habit of playing down to its opponents and being content with playing the, its opponent's game and trying to win by a couple points. I think that Louisiana tech has enough reckless in it. Like deep down, yep. we're not good, but we're crazy. Uh, the example I think of is like, I'll play online chess a bunch. And sometimes I'll play someone who has a rating like 300 less than me. And they'll do something so crazy that I almost get stuck because I'm like, wow, this is completely outside of the realm of like anything logical that anyone would do. So in that kind of sense, I think TCU could, could get in the mud with Louisiana Tech, say, you're right, we are just going to rush the ball and um, kind of play tit for tat rushing and come away with like a 
17 to nine, just really dumb game. Uh, and so I think that's kind of TCU's worst case scenario. Why have you not played me in online chess? Uh, Cause I don't want to hurt your feelings. You're probably much better than me. Um, I do play a lot. I'm just not very good at it. Uh, no, I, I think, I think worst case is probably a win for TCU as well, but I do think it'd be ugly. I actually think it'd be more of a shootout type win where TCU just has to like, can't stop the Louisiana tech offense. Um, I think you're looking kind of, and I say shootout relatively here, but uh, probably more of a 38 to 34 TCU win. I, I, I think, while I trust the TCU defense, I think it's good. I think that sort of recklessness would show on the offense as opposed to more in the defense if you're Louisiana Tech. Um, what about your best case? So my best case is that last week wasn't a fluke um, and that TCU can't actually play this kind of style of ball. I don't believe that. And again, it won't be a referendum uh, because, I mean, frankly, Louisiana Tech is not very good. Um, but I, I think this this defense really has the potential to kind of flex and and – earns some of the reputation it's been given all season, uh, especially in the preseason. And so I think this could be an opportunity where TCU could hold Louisiana Tech to a couple field goals at best and win this very solidly, uh, you know, 35-3, 35-12, something, you know, 12 would be, hey, you got a couple explosive plays, but we locked it down in the red zone. Um, and so I, I think it'll be interesting to see what Louisiana tech can do not having kind of the athletes that Oklahoma state did. Cause Oklahoma state was able once or twice to switch uh, and get CJ mm-hmm. Caesar and kind of peg him, but they're, they're, they're passing is so thin that I just don't know what they're going to do. Great. Did you know Trevious Hodges Tomlinson has the second most pass breakups in the nation? I did not, but I believe it. He is 13 behind, uh, behind app states, Shamar Jean Charles. Um, a incredible name B go Mountaineers. Okay. Yeah. Go, go. Well, I mean, go. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I think that, I think that TCU has better athletes at every position. I think TCU absolutely dominates, uh, talent. And if TCU will just decide what kind of game they want to play that best maximizes their strength and commit to it for four quarters, which we have not seen in years, uh, they, they could handily win this game uh and and in this in the regular season a really positive note also grant audition for a better bowl than the first responders bowl you put up 50 on louisiana tech man you might be going to phoenix or orlando instead of going to uh dallas or memphis oh yeah i can't believe you're 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 crapping on memphis the city of your birth i've already made my travel plans i'm going to be i'm going to i'm going to leave the day before the liberty bowl so there's no there's no incentive for me Liberty Bowl in America, let me tell you, Liberty Bowl is one of the last great college football venues in America. $10 gets you a beer and a Prano Pup, Grant. I don't know what else you want out of an afternoon. What, what's a Prano Pup? A Prano Pup is, uh, it, it, again, to use technical terms, it's a big-ass corn dog. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. All right, great. Um, and the beer's not small. Is, the, beer's, the beer's in one of those big, <laughs> you know, it's one of those big cups, too. It's great. It's wonderful. Liberty Bowl is a, a, a great venue. I've never seen Parker's eyes light up as much as he is when he's talking about the big beers at the Liberty Bowl. Uh, I'll say my best case is somewhat similar. I, I do think that Louisiana Tech will find a way to reach the end zone once, maybe twice. Give me 41-14 TC would be best case because um, I do I do think there are opportunities for the offense to score and the defense to score to limit uh, Louisiana Tech. All right, prediction time. Uh, I'll go first, Parker, because you've taken similar ones to what I was going to take. Uh, I, I think TCU – takes its foot off the gas pedal because 
it's not 2014. We're not playing Iowa State to try to get to the playoff. I, I think Patterson just wants a bowl. I don't think he cares about Memphis or Dallas versus Phoenix or Orlando. And so I think TCU goes up big in the first half and takes his foot off the gas pedal. Uh, give me 31 to 14 TCU. But 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 it's it's like 31 to, you know, seven at the half or whatever, or, or 28-7, and we just kind of have a, a, a ridiculous second half full of nothing. Yeah, I, I, I find it very hard to project this game without looking at four touchdowns and a field goal. That just feels right. So I also have TCU scoring 31. I have Louisiana Tech at 15 just because I thought 15 is a little bit more funny than 14. Um, it is. My model has this as like 20 – I got to I got to I got to round my points up but my model has this basically at like 30 to 15 anyway uh and mm-hmm. so I like that I'm buying that I think that's fine TCU's favored by they were favored by 24 which um is a lot of points but it's moved down to 21 and a half I don't think they'll cover uh and so I think it'll I think it'll be kind of in that you know 16 to 17 point margin What's the line? The line's 21 and a half right now. 21 and a half? It opened at 24 Holy. and a half, dude. Okay. Well, I might um, I might put some money in Louisiana Tech as much as it pains me to say it. Um, a lot wow. of points. Okay. A lot of points. Okay. We have one sort of question, uh, and I'm going to kind of expound on it. Uh, Park, you don't have to get analytical at all here unless you have another question in your DMs, but this is from uh, Connor McAnalytics at Connor McHugh5. Uh, what's your favorite Louisiana fun fact? And I'll expand, found this to fun fact, memory, anything about Louisiana. What's your favorite uh, Louisiana-ish thing? Well, uh, I can go like TCU specific uh, or I can go uh, just like general. I have very fond memories. Uh, my high Give school, me both. My high school wrestling team has a tournament. Uh, they go to the um, Bishop Martin Invitational in New Orleans every year. And so uh, between me and my younger brother and my uh, sister's husband being a, uh, so me, my younger brother, my sister, my sister's husband all wrestled. And then my sister's husband was a coach for a little bit. My family has gone to New Orleans pretty regularly and then my littlest brother's wrestling again. So they're going back every year we would go as part of this wrestling tournament. And so I have good memories of going every year in high school and then in college going and then turning 21 and going and having a lot more fun. Um, I'm a weird person though. I like New Orleans a lot more in the daylight in the morning than I do at, at night. I'm uh, I, I, you know, early to bed kind of guy can't hang uh, uncomfortable in social situations. So, um, I, I think New Orleans is a really fun town for multiple reasons. And I appreciate some of the more offbeat, uh, ones of them. So plenty of, plenty of good times in New Orleans. Yeah. I hate to talk about New Orleans instead of Ruston, but we're talking about Louisiana. So I want to talk about New Orleans. I think um, at the Chick-fil-A in Ruston, like three or four times driving through. <laughs> I got family, in, I got family in Monroe though. So I got to talk crap about Ruston. There you go. Uh, I actually went to New Orleans uh, the week of the national championship game this year, kind of before everything shut down. Uh, my sister turned 21 and my family went. I had the best sandwich I ever had in my life at a po'boy from one of the po'boy shops there. It was incredible. Uh, and I agree, New Orleans during the daytime was fun. Get a cup of coffee, kind of watch people, all that. Uh, I will say my favorite memory is when I went the first time. I was 20. It was my cousin's bachelor party. He was getting married. And uh, it's the second most hungover I've ever been. TCU beat Kansas 14 to seven behind Foster Sawyer. Um, 
I, I, I don't remember any of that game. I don't particularly want to because I was laying in misery uh, in this outdoor thing we had. But that was the first time I'd ever actually pulled off a fake ID. Uh, and I, I, I used it. It was a guy, my, my cousin found it on a street and gave it to me and said, here, just use this. Um, and uh, he was from, I, I think I remember, he was from uh, some street in Dallas. And I went to the, the, the bouncer, I gave it to him and he was like, Oh, you're from this place? But oh yeah, yeah. And he goes, Oh, I grew up on so-and-so street. I was like, Oh, really? He goes, Yeah, did you play at this park? I was like, Yeah, all the time, man. I just took it back from him and walked in. Uh and so that's that it worked. Uh, because gotta, in New Orleans, they don't care. You just gotta double down. Yeah, two houses over, man. <laughs> I feel compelled to say that the uh the Purple Theory podcast neither condones or condemns uh No, of course not. Uh, uh, artificial uh, identification is what we'll call that. Um, yeah, don't do that. Taking this TCU-centric, I do need to talk about the 2011 Poinsettia Bowl. Uh, that's the proper pronunciation, Poinsettia. Uh, really not a memorable game. Uh, the way the way that it kind of went down was like TCU and kind of traded punches, let Louisiana Tech score, and then uh, you know just kind of scored last. So TCU was it was tied 10-10. And then it went, you know, 21 to 21 to 14 from there. So really not too exciting the game. The only reason that I really remember it, and I'm glad the box score backs this up. Uh, you remember Anson Kelton? Uh, yeah, we did a rewatch this offseason. We talked about Anson Kelton. He is the hefty yes, punter for TCU. <laughs> he sure I remembered is. this and then looked up and, 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 and validated. Anson Kelton booted a punt, like <laughs> murdered it. 67 yards was his long punt in this game. Uh, and so that's what I remember about the 2011 points at a bowl against Louisiana tech where TCU won 31, 24. Uh, so that's another Louisiana fun fact is that uh, a really, really hefty punter kicked the ball 67 yards in TCU's uh, bowl game win. That is Jordy Sandy esque, if you will. Some, some might even say Jordy Sandy's Anson Kelton esque. So Six and one, half dozen of another. Uh, Parker, you have uh, fun things to do, so I will let you edit this podcast and go to bed. Uh, this has been the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard. You can find me on Twitter at Grant McGalliard. It's spelled exactly like it sounds. He is Parker Fleming, and he is at Stats of War. Follow him for all the graphs and sardonic comments you want. Just don't expect anything this weekend because he will be off the grid. Uh other than that, subscribe to the Purple Theory Newsletter. Parker's column is out, if I'm correct, and my column will be out tomorrow morning. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast as well. Leave a five-star review. Um, really, you can call us any name in the books that you wanted to review as long as you rate us five stars, and that's perfectly fine with us. Other than that, uh, TCU plays Saturday at 6 o'clock Central Time, God's Time, against the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. Go Frogs.